we acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters, and communities. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders, past and present. Australia needs more health practitioners. The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic here and across the globe is aggravating workforce pressures that were already apparent in the nation's health systems. In this episode of Taking Care, we hear from those experiencing Australia's health workforce shortages, from communities desperate for health workers to international practitioners trying to come and work in Australia. My name is Ashton Yav. I'm an international medical graduate. I arrived in Australia in 2020 July. I was fortunate enough to be brought over after getting in touch with uh, the Townsville Hospital where they were experiencing some um, health workforce shortages um, and felt that I would be suitable to contribute to not just the Australian society but also uh, the community in Townsville based on my experience. It met all of my expectations and sort of exceeded my expectations in some realms. People here are great, weather is great. I don't feel like a foreigner. And I think that's the beauty of it, isn't it? They just treat me like I'm just one of their fellow Australians, even though I'm not. When the pandemic struck in 2020, almost one in five of our registered nurses and one in three of our doctors were internationally trained. But with the National Skills Commission projecting Australia is likely to need more than 40,000 additional nurses by 2026, the Australian Medical Association saying the nation is already short of 860 GPs, which is likely to grow to 10,600 by 2032, and reports some allied health professions will need to grow by 30% by 2026. Well, employers, patients and the entire health systems are now looking to further step up Australia's intake of internationally trained practitioners. It is seen as an immediate and long-term answer to many of these health workforce shortages. Unfortunately, the rest of the world is doing the same. Nations big and small are now all bidding for the same pool of doctors, nurses, midwives and allied health practitioners. This global demand has upped the urgency for Australia and the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency to improve the overly complicated way it registers international practitioners. Stakeholders across the health sector are calling for ways to fast track health workers, including the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, which in March made a submission to the Senate Joint Standing Committee on Migration, the following plea to cut red tape and costs. The RACGP want to attract and retain suitably qualified international medical graduates. However, there are several barriers impacting our capability to swiftly address the general practice workforce supply. We call on the committee to support a working group to promptly address these barriers and opportunities for improvement within a three to six month time frame. The objective is to make Australia the GP destination of choice for suitably qualified IMGs. The good news is that thanks to focused efforts by APRA and others, to rebuild this workforce once borders reopened, the number of internationally trained practitioners arriving to work in Australia is back to pre-pandemic levels, supporting a surge in graduates and bolstering the nation's largest ever health workforce. Dr Ashton Yap is one of those who recently arrived in Australia to ease the health workforce pressure, as well as enjoying a new lifestyle. Despite applying for registration as international borders shut in Australia and Singapore, where he was working, Dr. Yap was able to navigate the system to take up a role as an intensive care register in Townsville from August 2020. And he says it was well worth the effort for himself as well as the community he now loves. It was pretty seamless for me. 
I probably represent a very small pool that had a very different experience simply because I came during COVID. The process essentially took about five to six months and a couple of hiccups, mostly on my part. If everything were to go seamlessly through, I think it probably would take about three to four months, which I think is a very sensible and fair time for the government and the healthcare agencies to do their due diligence. Medicine is very heavily regulated and rightfully so. We have a council that governs the way that we practice, someone who makes sure that we practice at a standard of care or world-class care that we are very proud to offer to not just the locals, but to the foreigners that visit Australia. To be able to do that, there needs to be quite a thorough process into looking into whether this is a suitable candidate, whether it's qualifications or surveillance or ensuring that day-to-day practice is upholding the standards that they have set. The bottleneck that most foreigners have coming over to the Australian healthcare system is getting through something called the Australian Medical Council examinations. We will hear more about Dr Yap's experiences a little later, but it's fair to say not all practitioners have found it just as easy to come and work in Australia. To address past concerns about the complexity of Australia's regulation system, as well as the urgent need not to be left behind in the global race for health workers, Australia's National Cabinet commissioned an independent review to the nation's healthcare settings in September 2022. In April this year, the review's lead, Robin Cruck, handed down an urgent interim report to outline immediate actions that governments and regulators can take to fast-track Australia's registration processes. And Ms Cruck says those actions to accelerate immigration and checks for skilled practitioners are desperately needed for the medical, nursing, midwifery and allied health professions. Interim report found the registration process should recognise overseas health practitioners and respect their expertise and the important role they play. Something participants to surveys and focus groups during the work said they didn't always feel had happened in their cases. It needs to be cheaper, less time consuming and less duplication. If I was born and raised in England and never lived outside the UK, taught in an English university and then I speak English, I should not need to prove this. I was head of a department for 10 years in Singapore, and here I'm being asked to put myself in the shoes of a graduate again. So I had to prepare for the exam and think like that again. It's an art form when you've been in the workforce for so long. APRA and the council make me upload the same documents. I have to submit to Home Affairs as well. Sometimes one will accept a document, then another body will reject it. Surely they can talk to each other. The Medical Board of Australia recognises six competent authorities in five countries. That is, regulators in other countries whose standards are deemed comparable enough to allow their registrants to be fast-tracked into our healthcare system. By comparison, New Zealand recognises 23 competent jurisdictions. The UK has more than 30 and Canada has eight. This led to some strong feedback from employers, including state health systems, such as this from Victoria. We are losing 60% of our nurse applicants to Canada because our process is too slow. And Tasmania. Some colleges find nobody to have comparable qualifications, even if they are obtained in the UK or other generally accepted jurisdictions. When the Cruck Review's interim findings came out, there were a few things all stakeholders agreed on. That the system was slow and difficult to navigate, that visa, employer and skills recognition processes were duplicated, but sometimes inconsistent, 
and that only applicants with qualifications from a small number of countries and professions are eligible to be fast-tracked. One of the major barriers is visas. The visa costs are more expensive for Australia than other countries. While age restrictions on skilled visas prevent thousands of experienced practitioners coming to our shores. Other nations have also created a one-stop shop system to cut down on duplication. They've also abolished English language tests that are seen as a deterrent to coming to Australia. The Crock Review's interim recommendations call on the Australian government to remove or suspend labour market testing requirements on employers, a move which would cut the migration process by three months for practitioners. And broadening age exemptions would allow an extra 4,500 practitioners over the age of 45 to bolster our health workforce. As well as overhauling visas, the interim report asks for governments, employers, professional associations and the health regulator to get on the same page and offer a tell us once system so that practitioners do not need to send multiple versions of the same documents to each agency. Better recognition of overseas health practitioners' experience and opening up the number of trusted countries whose practitioners can be fast-tracked into our health system will also make a massive difference. A final report of the Independent Review of Health Practitioner Regulation Settings will be handed down later this year. The health workforce shortages are not just about numbers and policy, and it's certainly not a new issue either, with many country towns having gone to huge lengths over the past decade to attract practitioners of all types. That includes with huge salaries, houses, training opportunities, and even memberships to every community group. In 2018, the town of Kerrang even came together to produce a video clip, write and record a song in its desperate global hunt for a doctor. We want a GP. We want a GP. We want a GP in our town. You'd be the jewel in our crown. We so need you. We need a GP. Since the pandemic, the difficulty in hiring practitioners has grown a lot worse. And Northern District Community Health CEO Mandy Hutchinson said even her musical town of Kerrang is once again looking for another GP. We're just in the process of bringing some GPs on board again. So we've had some GTP ones, so the, you know, first year registrars for six months because, you know, they've got to move as well. Also, where we're located is challenging. <laughs> so if you, if you come from a different background, um, so, for example, we had a doctor who is Muslim, um, you know, like, We've got no halal restaurants in Kerrang. There's not a, a mosque here. These things are all considerations um, that we need to ensure that if someone really wants to connect and belong, how do we sort of facilitate that? We've got a GP actually who's moving to Kerrang this weekend but can't actually practice yet um, because of the bureaucracy. Um, so we've been trying to get him on board for a few months and um, everybody's got to go through their hoops Um and so this is, this is one of those moments where, you know, it's taken a while for RSCGP and then APRA to approve, even though he's been practising in Australia in another town. I think it's probably going to take us three months um, at least, maybe longer. There is some challenges um, with the system at the moment, I feel. Of course, the current health workforce pressure is not just an Australian problem. The World Health Organization is projecting a shortfall of 10 million health workers by 2030, 
mostly in low and lower middle income countries. Developed nations are also struggling for health workers, leading to a worldwide demand and competitive global market for the same practitioners Australia is trying to attract. Such is the situation outlined on Good Morning America. This morning, an urgent warning about the shortage of nurses across the country. According to a new survey by the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, 100,000 nurses quit the profession during the pandemic, and then 600,000 more nurses with at least a decade of experience plan to quit or retire in the next five years. The research says burnout and fatigue are pervasive. If something isn't done to stem the tide, this could plunge us into a healthcare crisis of huge proportions. Some of Australia's smallest towns are unfortunately bearing the brunt of the global situation. As well as the need for our registration systems to be more attractive for those who are tempted. I am Mark Nolan, I'm the Mayor of the Cashery Coast Regional Council. Within the uh, North Queensland Primary Health Network uh, catchment, uh, 10 general practices, which is 6%, have closed since 2021 and an example one of our fastest growing areas in the last census, Mission Beach, around 4,000 plus residents, no doctor. Once people uh, need uh, medical attention outside of our region, uh, they, they relocate uh, and because they're getting on in years and then their children relocate to follow mum and dad and the grandchildren do likewise. So it, it's definitely a knock-on effect. And I've had friends of mine grew up with, they've left the region and uh, their kids have followed them. So it, it, it is a big issue in that regard. Uh, Jeffrey Moffat, Chief Executive for WA Country Health Service. We're experiencing what many others are describing, really, which is challenges with attraction. Australia managed COVID very well through border closures, uh, including here in Western Australia, and obviously reopening and, and getting uh, overseas workers reinterested in Western Australia, I think, has taken some time. The time to get, I guess, interest go through obviously our internal processes around selection, but then really importantly, uh, registration, immigration and arrival uh, are extraordinary really, um, 12, 12 to 18 months. There are obviously some workers that um, have, have their own uh, visas and are, are quicker than that. We are looking now to rely more on overseas migration than we have in the past. There's, um, we've got significant workforce reductions, particularly in that experience category of staff nursing and to some extent medicine. Migration is only one part of the solution and it really shouldn't be the primary part of the solution. Growing our own workforce um, is, has been a big strategy for us and needs to remain a big strategy nationally, I believe. We run a command centre 24 hours a day that is based in Perth, but the staff are connected you know, technologically right around the world. Some of our practitioners that do shifts are based in New Zealand or the UK. Um, as well as in country WA or here in Perth as well. Um, that provides a range of services and those services are uh, designed to directly support practitioners on the ground. The Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, which is at the centre of assessing and registering health practitioners, has welcomed the urgency of efforts to cut red tape. The regulator says a system-wide overhaul is needed to better align the qualifications recognised by Australian medical colleges with their overseas counterparts, as well as ending the duplication of processes across Australian authorities. Overcoming many of the bottlenecks that prevent overseas trained practitioners relocating to Australia, such as better recognition of international qualifications by colleges and simplified visa arrangements, require system-wide coordination and long-term consideration by health ministers. Work to clear these bottlenecks has begun in some key areas. 
This includes removing duplications, such as having to submit multiple criminal history checks, speeding up the allocation of Medicare provider numbers, reviewing current standards, including English language and recency of practice requirements, and improving the monitoring and publishing of data to better outline health workforce shortages. But sustained work is required to stop increasing headlines and bulletins announcing more practitioner shortages and more positions vacant. Such as this from Sky News. A dangerous Christmas doctor shortage in parts of regional Queensland has been flagged by nurses. Concerned residents won't have access to local medical care. The Queensland Nurses and Midwives Union has called for urgent action as it revealed doctors in the Wide Bay region, including at Childers, Gainda and Monto, will be on leave or have resigned. Some aged care residents who reside in beds reserved for the elderly at local hospitals due to the lack of services could be impacted. It's understood the Wide Bay Hospital and Health Service has offered financial bonuses to attract suitable replacement doctors, but they've been unsuccessful. Or this from Nine News in Queensland. Well, here's just some jobs available right now. Psychiatrists are wanted in Toowoomba. They'll earn $2,000 a day. Similar pay for ONG consultants in tropical North Queensland, while radiologists, if they take up a role in Mount Isa, can earn $4,000 every single day. Or this from ABC News in Western Australia. 2J is a bustling town an hour east of Perth. When the town's only GP clinic closes in November, residents will have to travel 30 kilometres to Northam. When you've got around about 5,000 people with no doctor, it's not very good. The closure will come at a cost for long-term patients like George James. It'll be disappointing and it would make it a little bit more difficult for my wife and I. It's tripping off to Northam, it all comes out of an expense. Other regional communities are also experiencing reduced services because they can't recruit GPs. While he is keen to see the path to Australia made smoother for practitioners in the future, Dr Yap is ready to encourage his overseas colleagues to make the most of their chance to move to Australia and take up positions like these, whatever it takes. I can go on and on about the differences, um, the benefits of the Australian system. But the one that really stood out for me is that the principle that the Australian health system has created for us was to create an environment where we are looked after with the premise that if we are well taken care of, we're able to look after others. And I think that is the key huge difference um, that the Australian health system has set up compared to some of the other health systems that I've experienced in. I think Australia as a whole is very well known to the world about the system that they can offer and the services and the way that they look after doctors. So I think attracting the other foreign doctors from that perspective, it's not a problem. Everyone knows, everybody wants to come here. But very often, my colleagues and I, when, when I was back home, um, not many of them are willing to attempt because they know that the exam is difficult to pass. Um, and I think there needs to be a review into that process. Because let's face it, is a doctor and the ability to look after a patient purely reflective of the ability to pass the exams? I don't quite think so. I think we've moved past that. I don't deny that exams is a good test or a good measure of one's knowledge, but not necessarily the best way to measure one's ability to 
be a doctor as a whole. The Australian Medical Council exam, although it's good and it used to work in the past, I think it is a very old system that probably needs to change. I think the very reason I've been able to practice medicine in Australia serves as a constant reminder of how fortunate I am um, to work in such a um, supportive and diverse environment, uh, regardless of one's background. The legislations that are set in the Australian uh, system about equal opportunities, that is something that is not just written in black and white, but I think it's something that's enforced as well as something that's commonly practiced by all levels of the healthcare system. The very fact that there's a cap on how many hours I can work um, actually gives me a ability to have a life outside work, and that's not something commonly um, seen in, in some healthcare systems, unfortunately, where we expect it to be saints. Um, here, they treat us like humans, like everybody else. People here are great. When they ask me about my background or they're interested to know where I come from, it isn't so much of um, something to create a gap between me and them. But instead, the questions that they ask are directed so that they could breach that gap. Until next time, thank you for listening to Taking Care. This episode was narrated by Gemma Williams and produced by Quinn Moore.